This is Fishbowl Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Goen. Well, this is Pastor Justin, another episode of Fishbowl Effect Podcast. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen this morning. Now, this is episode number four. Um, and we will be looking at the next two attributes into which Paul tells Timothy, or two areas, uh, to focus on so he could be an example. Again, by way of introduction, Fishbowl Effect is the name of the podcast, Fishbowl Effect Introduction, the series. It's kind of explaining kind of why the podcast is named and what it is, but also where I got it from. And that is found in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, where Paul tells Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of believers, and he goes on to give six different areas or attributes, really, into which he desires biblically by God, through the inspiration of God, to tell Timothy, Timothy, focus on these. But he says, be an example of the believers. Of the believers means two main areas, three, but two main areas of the believers. So to the believers, but notice he just doesn't say to the believers, he says of the believers. So, of course, he wants him to be of the believers as a pastor of the church, but also of the believers. And he's not just mentioning inside the church, but also outside the church. The people, basically, who are unchurched or non-believers. And then also, the third kind of area of the believers means being an example of the exemplars inside of the church. Not a pride way, but saying, Timothy, strive. You're the pastor. you got to strive to be... A- an example even to the examples that are already there. And he gives six areas. And so basically what I like to utilize as a word picture to help better understand this text, no, it's not in the text. I'm not adding it into the text. I'm just using it as a way to better grasp the text uh, Text as a word picture, a fishbowl. When people look at a fishbowl, you know, it's a clear bowl, clear, clear water typically. If you're doing a good job of cleaning it, you're looking at the fish. The fish is on display. You can learn how fish breathe. You can learn how fish eat. You can learn how fish, um, you unfortunately, use the bathroom. You can learn a, a lot about a fish in a fishbowl because it's on display. Well, Timothy is being told by Paul, in essence, to you're on display. People are watching. They're observing you. And ultimately, he wants the him. He's basically saying, Timothy, people observing you and they're watching you, but they're really observing Christ. And so here's the question. Timothy, what what do people learn about Christ, son, by observing you? So here you go, listener. What do people learn about Christ by observing you? We've looked at your word, the way that you the words in which you use, that your your speech. Then next he says conversation, which means your lifestyle, your manner of life, the way you live. And then he uses the word charity, which is the Greek word agape, which is the word love, your selfless sacrificial love. This week, the next one we're going to look at. He says spirit. Spirit, it's the internal person, the heart, mind, the spirit, the mind, the will that can respond to God. It's part of you that makes you completely and utterly different from all other parts of creation. And I don't own this, but I remember reading it sometime and I don't exactly remember where, but um, I know it was by one of my favorite authors um, or authors that I've read that um, man is a trichotomy. Where animal life is dual and plant life is single. Plant life only has body. You know, people think like all these, and I and I don't mean to be rude here, uh, but I mean yes, they're source of life. They have life in them, 
but it's just body life. Whereas animals do have body and soul, meaning they have breath life. But human beings have body, soul, and spirit. That part of you that intellectually, mindfully, Romans chapter 1, has a conscience that can tell and understand good and right, good and evil, but also communicate to the your creator, the spirit. And then we understand from Acts chapter 1 and and also in um, Ephesians, multiple different areas as well, that the moment in the New Testament, the moment you are saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes in and pairs within you with your spirit and uh, takes a bold or dwells within you, Paul says, in a, in, a, in a Ephesus, that it's our earnest, kind of like an earnest deposit to help show you part of the Holy Spirit's job is to help show you that you are a believer, that God has given you his spirit to live inside of you. James, Jesus rather, um, gives the largest chapter section in the Bible about the spirit in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. That gives more of us our understanding of pneumatology, if you may, may, which is the study of the Holy Spirit, pneuma being spirit. Um, So when you look at totality, the Holy Spirit... Uh, or or we would use the word um, systematically when you look at all the different areas in Scripture, you can put together, uh, compile together kind of the job in which God has given his Holy Spirit to us. But this is a word spirit in which um, Paul is telling his uh, Timothy that his spirit, the part of him that communicates with God, the part of him that worships God. In fact, in John chapter 4, 24, if you remember that that great uh, well scene of Jesus sending his disciples away uh, to get food, to get water, to get stuff to eat. And he sits down, he has to, he says, I must need to get, I must need to go through Samaria. And so the disciples depart. He goes to the well, the Samaritan woman comes midday, hottest part of the day, solo. You can tell she's an outcast. It's not the time that other women went to the well. She went there. Jesus knew she would be there. He had a meeting. They had a great conversation. Jesus witnessed to her. Jesus talked about, he gave her education on scripture. Uh, he, 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 the whole time he was being compassionate and charity and loving her um, the whole entire time. But in verse 24, it says, God, just as Jesus explaining to her, because she mentioned about what and how to worship or where to worship. She was so focused on a place. Rather, Jesus mentioned about a person and how to worship that person. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In context here, the woman at the well was talking about a physical place to worship God. But Jesus explained to her that 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 isn't about, that worshiping God isn't about a place, but rather it's all about the person, God. It's about the person who can only be worshiped through Christ. Paul was telling Timothy here, when we look at all these different understandings of the word systematically of spirit, whether it be God's spirit or your spirit or the human spirit, Paul was telling Timothy to make sure he had an ongoing, vibrant relationship and worship of God, ministering even to God. Romans chapter 5, or 12, 1 through 12, Paul says, I beseech thee, or I urge you. I mean, this is like the one of the strongest kind of gut-wrenching, squinting your eyes, kind of like, oh, please, please, please. That's what it means. I urge you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be you not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove as a good and acceptable will of God. That's Romans chapter 12, 1 through 12. What Paul is saying there to the church at Rome, 
is that he, the way into which we worship God is, is by taking ourself under subjection and giving ourselves as a living sacrifice, not to our will, but God's will and saying, Lord, I'm here. I want to worship. I want to minister to you. I mean, think about that. You get to minister to God. You get to minister to God. You get to put yourself back and say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. And God, I ask that you would use me now. I, I want to give my life back to you today, 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 to be used for your glory. And so it's an ongoing, vibrant connected connection with God, uh, this spirit. So here's, again, Timothy, be an example of how you worship God, your intimate, personal relationship with God, your spirit, your, your, your inner person, how you connect with God, how you worship God. Be real. Don't be fake. And so here's the question back to you. What do people learn about God by observing your worship of God, your relationship with God? What does your kids learn? What, what are your kids learning about your relationship with God? Do they even know that you have a relationship with God other than you dragging them to church on Sunday? Do, do, do they know that you're reading your Bible? Do they see you reading the Bible? Are you praying with them with dinner? Are you praying with them as they go to sleep? Are you having God conversation around your home? Mom, dad, even kids listening or teens that are listening. How are you, how are you worshiping God? Next attribute he gives him or area is the word faith. Faith here is in a belief with an implication that an action, this is the strongest definition, that an action on that belief must follow. What, what does that mean? It means that it's not just an, in, faith is not just an intellectual understanding of something. For instance, I like to use, utilize simply, and it, it, now yes, I could go more in depth but for the sake of just time, but also simplistically here, if you had a bottle of water sitting in front of you, and you just, and you, or let's say it was sitting on the tailgate of your truck in a cooler. And you just walked for five miles and forgot that water bottle. That's the reason why it's only your tailgate in the cooler, in the truck. And you're extremely parched. There's no water anywhere around you. And you walk through, um, well, I live, right now I'm in Nevada. So you walk through the hillsides of Nevada, which are pretty much bare and it's hot, about 100, 102 degrees. And you finally get back to the truck. You can pull and you're just thinking, I just need a drink of water. I'm so parched. I'm so parched. I'm going to die. You could get to the tailgate, unzipper or open up your cooler and take the water out. And you can look at it and you can say, I believe this water, this high quality H2O, the water boy, uh, is, is, is going to soothe me. It's going to replenish me. It's going to heal me. It's going to all these things. It's going to nourish me. And I need it. You can look at it and intellectually understand those things. Yeah, they may not completely scientifically be, like, be able to break it down out of the hydrogen and the oxygen molecules, but you know enough to intellectually know I need this. But how many of you know that until you take that bottle of that and you open it up and drink it, it ain't doing those things for you and to you. So that's the same thing when it comes with faith. You must see this intellectually, understand what it is, but then act upon it, not as an action or a work, but take what you know or believe about that object, aka the water, and open it and partake of it. That's the same thing when it comes with faith, faith in Christ. You can intellectually understand he was born or believe he was born. You can know that he lived the life in which the Bible says he lived and died. I mean, Satan believes all those things. In fact, he was there. But the one thing Satan hasn't done is opened up the lid of Jesus Christ and taken a drink, so to speak. 
What do I mean? He has not partaken of it in the fact, and people don't understand this, by literally doing what God says of how you are saved. How are you saved? You're saved by faith through grace. So you're, I mean, sorry, you, you, you were saved by grace through faith, meaning it's a, comparing it, it also with Romans chapter 10, um, that we must understand these things and then believe it in our heart but confess it with our mouth, meaning say it back to God. That is God's way of us getting the water or so to speak, Christ's life, death, resurrection applied to us is by acknowledging it, but then also confessing it back to God, homologeo, meaning to say the same thing as. This is important. Many people sadly will spend eternity in hell because all they have ever had was a was a biblical understanding of Christ, but they never followed through with actually partaking of of Christ's salvation by believing it in their heart and confessing it with their mouth, repenting of their sins, turning from their life and saying, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that that thou hast raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. Ephesians 8, or 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. The word faith, not just a belief that Jesus, God's gracious in the form of giving Christ, but that you partake of it. This is important. There isn't many ways to get to Christ. There's not many ways to get to heaven. There is one way, one, one way, one person. There's one mediator between God and men and Christ Jesus. There's no other name given among men, given under heaven, given among men, sorry, whereby we must be saved. Paul, Paul, I mean, Peter preaches at Pentecost. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's only one person that can save, nobody else. And that's Jesus Christ. And there's only one way to which that salvation is granted or given. And that is through the biblical process of taking off the lid of the water and drinking it, so to speak, which meaning stopping, acknowledging, believing about what God says he has done and who he is, believing about what he says, why he did it because of who you are, and then praying, confessing to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's God's way. That's belief and an action, so to speak, on that belief. So faith. Here's the thing. Now, though, back into this context, was Paul telling Timothy to get resaved here? No, he wasn't saying, Timothy, every single day you need to get resaved. So what was he saying in essence with this word faith? Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. Martin Luther said that. James 2, 14 through 16, James teaches here that the person who is truly saved will produce fruit or will produce works of true salvation. Matthew 7, 16, you'll know them by their fruits. Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What was he saying? Live out your life like Christ actually exists, Timothy. The person in which you've placed your faith in Timothy. Trust him, live out your faith in Christ. Don't be one who says he's saved, but then spend his life guessing on every situation that's coming and not involving Christ, trusting in Christ, having your faith built in Christ, living in, living in and through Christ, trusting him. When something comes up in the church, Timothy, have faith in Christ that he's called you there. When something comes up in your family, Timothy, with your mom, with your grandmother, with your family, Timothy, trust Christ. 
of faith. And your faith should produce good works, Timothy. It should pour out fruits. And so in essence, again, people, what are, Timothy, what are people learning? How they, when they observe your life, what are they learning about Christ according to your faith? Is your faith real, Timothy? Is it vibrant, Timothy? So then let me ask the same question, listener, back to you. What do people learn about God, about Christ by observing your faith? Is it real? Is it vibrant? Is it true? Do you, I mean, evaluate this. I would love for you to evaluate this. What, honestly, people look at your faith. Well, I have faith in Christ. Well, again, I, 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 I'm, let me take this step further. When people say that, I have faith in Christ. Well, you, you can say you have faith in Christ. Bible gives us evidence of what that faith will look like. It will produce Christ-like fruit. If I were to plant an apple seed in the ground and you watch me take it, open up an apple and you, we put a camera up so nobody could see that, so everybody could see that it didn't go back at a later date and time and change the seed out of the ground. And you watch me crack open the apple, a Granny Smith, one of my favorites, and you open it up and take one seed out and you watch me plant it. And we put a camera up 24-7 to watch it on multiple cameras, whatever you want to do. We watch it. Once that tree grew and finally grew to the years of which it could start producing fruit, what type of fruit should we expect? Should I expect bananas? Should you expect bananas? Pineapples? Almonds? No. Because of what was planted, you expect to see the fruit of that seed of apples. The same thing when it comes with a Christian. When God has saved somebody, when God, when a Christian, when a non-believer places their faith in Jesus and God uh, justifies them and he, he imputes his righteousness into them and saves them and regenerates them and places his Holy Spirit within them and starts the process of sanctification, that believer will start to produce the fruit of Christ because they are a true believer. If they start to produce, so to speak, the fruits of the world again or of Satan again, there is great need and worry, not in anxiety-wise, to say they may not have actually had the seed. Something could have been wrong. Maybe they didn't mean it when they actually truly prayed. Maybe they weren't being honest. I mean, people do that all the time. And so, my friend, when somebody says, I'm a Christian or I place my faith in Christ, we and even Christ and the disciples did this and Paul did this. You don't just assume what they mean. Just give them the benefit of the doubt to start. But don't just assume that that's what they mean. I just ask, well, what do you mean by that? Ask them that question. What do you mean by that? Can you give me your testimony? Can you, can, can you tell me how, how you're a Christian? If it's not Romans not a 10, 9 and 10. If it's not... Uh, um, First, uh, the Gospel of John 1, 12, as many as received him, accepted. If it's not Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's not of works. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Faith, 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 true faith, and not just an intellectual understanding. Remember, there's a difference between believing and having faith. Belief and faith, there's a, there's a difference. Timothy, be an example in your spirit. Be an example, Timothy, in faith. So fish in a fishbowl, Christian listening, or, well, that's my audience for the most sake, Christian listening. When people observe your life, what do they learn about your spirit, your worship with God, and your true faith in Christ? What do they learn? I hope this was 
I'm encouraging to you this morning. Uh, next podcast in this series, we'll, we'll deal with the very last one, which is purity. I want to save that one for last because it'll probably take the same amount of time to do that one <laughs> as it did the last two sessions when I've covered two. And so I hope this is a blessing unto you. And until next time, until the next podcast, God bless and have a great, great day.